Good morning, Valley Forge, King of Prussia and the greater Philadelphia area. This is We the People, the Constitution Matters. And my friends, it does matter as our liberties, including our lives and our property, are on the line in a system of government we have, uh, unfortunately, are suffering to experience right now where the Constitution is being disregarded. And if we the people don't uh, revive that Constitution by first understanding it ourselves and then uh, talking to our elected representatives and those who want to be elected, talking to them about the principle of the Constitution, we're going to lose our liberties and we will lose our properties and perhaps even our lives. Well, this is Pastor David Whitney, Senior Instructor at Institute on the Constitution. I serve as your host here at We the People, the Constitution Matters. And this fine Friday morning with me is Phil Duffy, our constitutional instructor. And we're starting a series where we're talking about the application of some of the principles that we have uh, been espousing now for, oh, six, seven, eight years. There's an entire series of podcasts that we encourage you to investigate at 1180wfyl.com. Click podcast. We're right at the bottom of the list there. We the people, we've got a, a new upgraded uh, start page there. So uh, many resources available to understand the principles behind our constitutional republic. But we saw those principles violated in the most egregious way, at least in my lifetime. Some might argue that uh, uh, the war between the states, which certainly the, uh, the suspension of the Constitution, the violation of, of the protections of the Constitution were all part of what took place during that tragic period uh, of our country's history. But other than that, Perhaps the period since 2020 through, well, I guess it was all the way up to May of 2023 that they still said the pandemic is on. Well, we should really call it the scandemic was continuing. And the question is, was there something being done by our civil government that was absolutely violative of the principles that uh, are the foundation for our constitutional republic? And I think we're going to find as we explore in this uh, mini-series, we're going to take several weeks to look at these things, we're going to find issues that are clearly violative of the very purpose for which civil government was established by our founders in our constitutional republic. And uh, we invite you to participate in this discussion. I'd love to have your questions or your thoughts, and you could use my personal email. Uh, that is dwhitney, D-W-H-I-T-N-E-Y, at theamericanview.com, theamericanview.com, Whitney at theamericanview.com, because we know that unless we understand what took place and understand the constitutional principles as well as the specific elements of our constitution violated by whatever you want to call it, the COVID scandemic uh, uh, time frame, uh, whatever it's called, we need to understand this and we need to stop it from ever, ever happening again. And we the people can do that. You know, it doesn't matter what the experts in Washington, the medical industrial complex, uh, the pharma uh, business that uh, buys politicians uh, for the lowest price they can. It doesn't matter what those people want or what those people do. It matters what we the people do because we can stop the next theft of our God-given rights. Well, Phil, why don't you bring us your thoughts on this as we start this series this this fine Friday morning? Well, we might title these comments the Nuremberg Trials after World War II and their relationship to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, Wikipedia describes the history of the COVID-19 pandemic 
The COVID-19 pandemic, also known as the coronavirus pandemic, is a global pandemic of coronavirus, uh, coronavirus disease, 2019, caused by severe acute respiratory syndrome, coronavirus 2. The novel virus was first identified in an outbreak in the Chinese city of Wuhan in uh, December 2019. Four years have gone by, and the nightmare appears to be receding. Although some of us cling tenaciously to our masks in spite of the overwhelming evidence that the relatively large pore sizes do nothing to prevent the transmission of the much tinier COVID-19 organisms. Most of us, however, are anxious to get back to what we believe is normalcy. And the whole uh, COVID-19 nightmare appears destined for a social memory hole. But an even greater pandemic than COVID-19 remains. Doesn't threaten death of the physical body, but death of the spirit of liberty. Our apparent return to normalcy is an illusion, replaced with what author Aaron Cariotti has written in The New Abnormal, The Rise of the Biomedical Security State. While in many respects, the COVID-19 control program of the past four years has proven to be a failure, the artificial crisis the biomedical security state created had to have been successful beyond the expectations of those who initiated it. The vast majority of us have been conditioned to accept the next biomedical crisis and its control of our lives. To understand what is happening to us, we need to visit the history of the Nazi era. It officially began with the rise of Adolf Hitler to the chancellorship in Germany and a subsequent Reichstag, uh, Reichstag fire. <laughs> President Paul Hindenburg declared an emergency according to Article 48 of the Weimar Constitution. Civil liberties were temporarily suspended. But President Paul von Hindenburg died 17 months later. The office of president and chancellor were combined, and the temporary suspensions of liberty became permanent under Hitler, under the Hitler regime. Until recent decades, Americans had been suspicious of granting emergency powers, particularly to the executive branch. There is no such provision in the Constitution of the United States. <clears throat> but now we have become enamored with granting the executive such powers. The political route has been through undermining the Constitution with unconstitutional statutory law. While the law is old, fans of the Insurrection Act, including presidential candidate Donald Trump, continually promote its augmentation. The Brenner Center for Justice site describes the act. The Insurrection Act authorizes the president to deploy military forces inside the United States to suppress rebellion or domestic violence or to enforce the law in certain situations. The statute implements Congress's authority under the Constitution to provide for calling forth the militia, execute the laws of the Union, suppress insurrections, and repel invasions. It is the primary exception to the Posse Comitatus Act, under which federal military forces are generally barred from participating in civilian law enforcement activities. Even this explanation makes it seem the Insurrection Act is strictly constitutional. If the federal government is to declare such an emergency act, however, the Constitution does not allow the executive to initiate the proclamation. And ignores, it ignores the check on the Constitution's Article 4, Section 4. The United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when 
the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. The point of this parallel history with Nazi Germany is to understand that the suspension of liberty through executive-initiated emergencies results in the elevation of criminal regimes. As the experience in World War II demonstrated, <clears throat> those evil empires can be subdued, but at great cost. At the conclusion of such wars, the question remains, how to administer justice? Should the perpetrators of the war be allowed to walk freely simply because there was no formal statutory law in place to convict them? This was the challenge facing the Allies at the conclusion of the war in Europe. The issue surfaced in the most famous of the Nuremberg Tribunals, the trial of the top Nazis. The American Experience site describes the challenge of this trial and subsequent Nuremberg Tribunals. <clears throat> Chief Justice, uh, Chief United States Prosecutor Jackson created a framework that would prohibit the Germans from discussing the causes of war, from pleading to Quoque, you did it too, or from asserting that the law under which they were being tried was ex post facto, meaning that the law had not been established when the crimes were committed. The point here is not to judge the system of justice employed at Nuremberg, but to recognize the challenge in reconciling statutory law with so-called higher law. It is an issue today, post-COVID-19. In effect, the Allies invoked the natural law, defined Britannica as, in philosophy, system of right or justice held to be common to all humans and derived from nature rather than from the rules of society or positive law. <clears throat> Thus arises the concept of crimes against humanity. The problem becomes apparent as we attempt to find out who it is that speaks for all humans, and who is so adequately detached and objective that he or she is able to interpret nature. <clears throat> While it is relatively easy to grasp the relationship between natural and positive law, it is quite another matter to apply the differences in the courtroom. <clears throat> when the more famous of the Nuremberg Tribunals was uh, concluded with the execution of the ten top Nazis in 1947, a less famous Nuremberg Tribunal concluded in the case against the Nazi doctors. The specific issue in that case was unethical human experimentation. The justification for executing seven of the accused doctors was the Nuremberg Code, ten, ten items that describe the ethics of human experimentation. The Nuremberg Code is easily accessible on the internet, but it's too easy to dismiss it as just history, a description of what happened in the past with little relevance to today. Nicholas Bednarski, MD, has taken a different position, arguing in his three-part series, Nuremberg Code Violations in the COVID-19 Control Program, that all 10 items were violated by officials in the federal government, academia, and the media. Among the targets of his implied criticism are the members of the medical profession who mindlessly accepted political authority by promoting the program. This should have raised an alarm among these people of science. Let's take a deeper look at what Dr. Bendarski has to say about each of the 10 violations. Item 1, informed con uh, consent. <clears throat> More text is dedicated to this item than the other nine, which, which is appropriate since this foundation of the Nuremberg Code. It begins, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. Voluntary consent is a powerful concept, and it implies voluntary informed consent. There's no room for misinformation defined as false or inaccurate information. The best that can be said for misinformation 
This might arise out of ignorance or over-reliance on authorities who claim to know more than they really do. Even misinformation so defined cannot be excused because the medical experimenter must not proceed until, unless the experimenter is assured that the underlying facts are related to the experiment. If in misinformation is inexcusable, certainly disinformation, defined as follows, is never allowable. False information, which is intended to mislead, especially propaganda issued by the government organization to a rival power or the media. Item one continues, emphasizing that the subject should be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. (laughs) Dr. Bednarski observes, the FDA and CDC established emergency use authorization for the mRNA products based on what they knew was incomplete safety and efficacy testing and withheld disinformation from the public and the scientific community at large until forced to reveal Pfizer and Moderna's proprietary data. Meanwhile, they conducted, along with fellow travelers in mainstream media and other government agencies as well as influencers at large, a campaign of disinformation and censorship as medical scientists around the world began to examine actual history, actual natural history of COVID, various age groups, medical conditions, adverse events that rapidly began to arise due to the mRNA vaccine and spike protein it caused, the body proofs and the lipid nanoparticle envelope containing the artificial mRNA, the actual degree of protection from infection, serious illness and death, in various groups of persons, actual degree of reduced transmission of the virus to others, duration of any such protection against infection or, or transmission, any comparison of actual protection from the artificial mRNA vaccine to the natural protection from actual viral infection and effects of this artificial mRNA genetic immunization when changes to the virus and follow-up infections with new resistant versions of the COVID virus. Dr. Bednarski concluded, virtually all aspects of Nuremberg Code 1 were violated. Let's look at item 2, yielding fruitful results for the good of society. Full wording of this item is, the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society, unperturbed by other methods or means of study, and not random or unnecessary in nature. <clears throat> Dr. Bednarski's observation, the experiment was intended to yield fruitful results for the good of society. But as noted above, those fruits kept shifting in type and ripening or spoiling. Given the multiple and changing endpoints of this unprecedented, vast experiment, we're in no attempt at designing the study to learn if it was providing any social good rather than largely destroying the economy and condemning large populations of youth to irrecoverable social and educational deficits, we cannot know if the random and changing benefit were procurable by any other methods or means of study. Item 3, the Nuremberg Code text reads, 
The experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation and a knowledge of the natural history of the disease or other problem under study that the anticipated results will justify the performance of the experiment. Dr. Bednarski observes, artificial mRNA vaccines were tested in rodents, with the end point being their production of neutralizing antibodies against the COVID-19 virus. These studies did not evaluate distribution of the body of the artificial mRNA or lipid nanoparticle envelopes or the spike protein that the artificial mRNA instructed the body to make, the duration of those substances persisted in the animals, or any long-term side effects. Rodents do not live that long. These same aspects were ignored in early human studies. Under the Operation Warp Speed program, human studies ended earlier than designed, again, violating the true scientific method. <clears throat> Item four, uh, avoidance of all unnecessary physical and mental suffering and injury. Dr. Bednarski observes, the mandated use of the vaccine without proof of which one could be dismissed from employment or service in the military or prevented from traveling, seeing loved ones or going to school, caused irreparable physical and mental suffering and injury that is still being tallied. <clears throat> those, aside, those are aside from the many adverse effects observed, such as myocarditis, pericarditis, which is an inflated inflammation of the heart, its membrane, heart rhythm disorders, occasionally fatal, blood clotting disorders, autoimmune diseases, the body attacking itself, nervous system disorders, including ascending paralysis. Item number five, no experiment if there is reason to believe death or disabling injury will occur. Dr. Bednarski, no short-term or long-term safety studies were being done in animals and humans, despite the unprecedented technology being used as noted above. Almost all physicians became experimental participants and subjects, disregarding their individual and several duties and responsibilities. Item six, the degree of risk to be taken should never exceed that determined by the human humanitarian importance of the problem to be solved by the experiment. Dr. Bednarski, again, a real attempt was made to ascertain the risks taken. The humanitarian importance was judged based on computer models of public health hysteria violating several pre-existing policies of the World Health Organization, as well as this item of the Nuremberg Code. Item 7, proper preparation should be made and adequate facilities provided to protect, uh, to protect the experimental subject against even the remote possibilities of injury, disability, or death. <clears throat> Dr. Bednarski, our federal government has completely denied the opportunities and ability of the experimental subjects for redress of injury, disability, or death by protecting the drug companies from any civil or criminal liability for effects of the artificial mRNA vaccines. <clears throat> no significant effort has been made by the CDC, FDA, or NIH to establish more a robust system of reporting of adverse <clears throat> events or vaccination failures or to follow up those few that are reported by the current inad inadequate voluntary system. Item 8. Experiments should be conducted only by scientifically qualified persons. Dr. Bednarski, this rule specifies a highly focused team of health professionals, first limiting its work to a small, statistically significant sample of the population. 
Only after clear success in the initial experimentation is that circle of scientifically qualified persons and the number of subjects extended. To the contrary, the COVID-19 vaccine program required from the beginning mass production and distribution of a product its, its promoters hope would achieve protection of the world's population. <clears throat> Item 9. Human subjects should be at liberty to bring the experiment to an end. Dr. Bednarski, given the legal and social coercion placed on all our population, all non-consenting, uninformed members of the experimental subject group, the violation of this item of the Nuremberg Code is obvious. Item 10. Scientists in charge must be prepared to terminate the experiment at any stage. And Dr. Bednarski, no scientist was in charge. <laughs> Unless we accept the bureaucrat, Dr. Anthony Fauci's, self-nomination as such, remembering that he is the science. The dictator of the experiment ultimately was our elected non-scientific chief executive, the president. Trump started the process and the experiment, but Biden continued enthusiastically with persistent wild claims of effectiveness and safety, even after these were seen to be false. The Nuremberg Code not a graded academic test. Failure to meet every one of the criteria should expose the experimenter to charges of unethical human experimentation. Dr. Vidnarski's opinion is that the experimenters failed every one of the Nuremberg criteria. Is that not a crime against humanity? Wow. Wow, Phil. That is a damning damning evidence against the people that conducted this experiment on us, on we the people. And actually, even if you didn't take the shot, you know, the first shot, the second shot, booster number one, two, three, and I guess they're still pushing boosters last I heard. So your, your point there, uh, you know, the very last point to, that they should be able to bring it to an end at any time. It doesn't seem that they've brought it to an end and terminated the experiment in, in spite of the fact that it's literally been a failure. I remember, uh, oh, Biden, I think that's the best term for him. That's the third term of. Obama, but anyway, O'Biden promising, if you get the shot, you won't get sick with COVID. If you get the shot, you won't go to the hospital. If you get the shot, you won't die, all of which were absolute lies. He himself got sick with COVID multiple times. We know that millions wound up in the hospital and many millions were injured permanently and the death toll is still being calculated worldwide. It's multiple millions at this point in time. Of course, they're doing everything they can to hide those numbers by labeling everybody that dies from any cause, whatever, as, oh, they died of COVID. You know, a guy who got shot in the head, well, he died of COVID. Obviously, he had COVID. That bullet is, you know, in his brain, <laughs> yeah, that had COVID on it. So, oh, yeah, he died of COVID. That kind of ridiculous thing was done. I see what, what we have experienced is a takeover of our medical system by, I guess, what you might call the medical industrial complex, following uh, Eisenhower's coining of the term the military industrial complex, by which he meant an uh, organization designed to be self-serving, completely self-serving. So the businesses making money off of war contribute money to candidates who are going to continue wars that are unnecessary wars so that the businessmen who are contributing money to the politicians can get the votes they need to continue the war so that they continue to sell more and more military hardware. And 
that, that military industrial complex has been clearly proven. Uh, we see that in, in Vietnam and many, many other examples as well. In fact, what's happening in the uh, Ukraine is even a, a new extension of that as the clear uh, money laundering of us sending billions upon billions upon billions of dollars to the Ukraine. And then that coming back through, uh, you know, uh, bank, Stan Bankman Freed's organization coming back to the politician. Ah, yes, yeah, so corrupt uh, and so evil. But I love, Phil, that you have pointed out that this uh, uh, situation that we have gone through should be judged based upon the Nuremberg Code, because this was a medical experiment. As you rightly point out, they didn't do actual experiments with this on animals. They did some experiments that were not directly part of this. I understand they did experiments on with mRNA-type injections, and they found that all the animals they were testing died. So they said, wow, I, that's not part of our experiment. Let's, uh, let's do something different. And so even in the human experience experiments, it was a very small population, and some people were excluded entirely. Pregnant women, there was no testing done of pregnant women. Pregnant women were being promised, oh, this is safe and effective. Don't worry, it's not going to affect your baby. And now we see untold numbers of stillbirths, of miscarriages, and most disastrously of all, infertility for women who were not pregnant. And uh, th this is, you know, well. Uh, what we see here is definitely informed consent item one of the Nuremberg Code was not met. People were not given enough information to know whether this truly was safe and effective. Instead, they just heard the propaganda, safe and effective, safe and effective. And, uh, you know, as uh, the Nazi propagandists said, the bigger the lie you tell, actually the easier it is to get people to believe that lie. And we know that's part of human nature that, you know, when somebody tells a really whoppering whopper of a lie, we're going to kind of, unless we're, we're of a more suspicious nature, we're going to sort of trust them because that's such a, if that was a lie, that's such a big, bold-faced lie that another human being wouldn't do that. And I guess it's really our, our default mode. We believe too much in the goodness of our fellow human being rather than, than to be suspicious. And so uh, the Nazis said, the bigger the lie you tell, the better. And all you need to do is continuously repeat it and repeat it endlessly and repeat it everywhere. And eventually, most people are going to believe the big lie, uh, in spite of the fact that it's a bold-faced lie. And this was a bold-faced lie. They had no evidence that this was safe and effective. They did not even follow the typical standard protocols. And in a sense, you could say Trump was part of this because he talked about warp speed. Wait a minute. You don't develop a vaccine at warp speed. No, 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 no. You take time and it takes sometimes five to 10 years before the testing and the process is gone through properly and adequate testing before you release it to the general public. And that's known. I mean, anybody that's studied the history of vaccine, that's, that's the standard way. And so why in the world was this shortcut created? And by the way, this shortcut was not only uh, the... Part of this uh, information, uh, misinformation that was given, yeah, given, but we need to know that the word vaccine was actually redefined. That's right, redefined by the World Health Organization oh, about a half dozen years or so before this scandemic took place. And so before, it was very clear that you're talking about uh, there's a large population of people who are sick and dying of this disease, and uh, therefore. Uh, some of the some of the things that are are part of what's taking place 
are part of the evidence that there's a lot of people dying from this disease. Now, we were told, again, a big, big lie. We were told a big lie. Oh, COVID is the most dangerous. And yeah, you know, no doubt there's many people that died of COVID. But if you want the real numbers, not the lying statistics that they have given to us, or even the lies that the hospitals were paid, that's right, hospitals were paid to put COVID on the death certificate. So, of course, motivated with money as money that can be the love of money can be the root of all forms of evil. They wanted the money. And so, sure, they put COVID on death certificate, death certificate, even if the person really didn't die of that, or if they had COVID, they died with COVID, but they died of the gunshot wound to their head, those kind of things. So when we look at the actual numbers that we can trust, those numbers are the total death toll on average year to year to year. And, and you know, the actuarial tables that the insurance industry depends upon uh, heavily, those actuary tables have been worked out over the years and they're they're very, very reliable. And they you can study the total death numbers, not not the, who died of this, that, or the other, but how many people died worldwide during the year 2017 and during the year 2018 and during the year 2019 and during the year 2020. Supposedly, we're in this terrible crisis of this virus that's killing millions. You know, Actually, you look at the numbers and there's no statistical significant difference between 17, 18, 19, and 2020. None. In other words, in the midst of this supposed pandemic, no more people were dying than on average in the preceding four or five years. None. No more, no more death. No excess death, what the statisticians call excess death. But lo and behold, when the shots began to be administered 2021, the excess death rate shot up enormously. In fact, one uh, uh, insurance company was reporting that they were seeing a 40% spike 40% spike in the number of deaths that were that they were as, a, as an insurance company who are very concerned about because all of a sudden their actuarial tables didn't work. The numbers that they had projected as to how much money they needed to set aside to pay death claims, death benefits, it wasn't working. It's was 40% increase unexplained except that, oh, what changed? Not COVID. 2020, when supposedly we're in the midst of this, no excess death. 2021, after, and they could show you month-to-month numbers as well, as soon as the shots began, there was excess death that shot up to 40%. I understand since then it's fallen back a little bit, maybe to 30 or, or 25%, but still, from the point of view of those who are in that insurance industry, where their financial survival depends upon them being able to predict and forecast how many people are going to die on average and what would be an excess death versus the average that their whole system is a disaster because what happened after the shot, excess death. So no true information was given here, no informed consent, uh, no actual uh, testing ahead of time to show what would be the likely impact. In other words, an experiment was done, as as Dr. Banowski clearly points out, an experiment was done really on the entire human race, because it wasn't just our country or Canada, no, the entire human race, every country in the world, which also should kind of give us a warning, you know. Uh, there were some countries that did some things a little different. Sweden didn't require masking, didn't shut down their, you know, those were positive things. But there were, uh, every country in the world had a program of using these mRNA uh, vaccinations. And, and rightly, you point out, Phil, that these are an experimental tinkering with our human genetics. 
It's like we're going to go into the cell instead of what the usual virus, and again, this has to do with redefining the word virus, the usual virus, you get a little bit of the disease itself, live or dead, and then your body's immune system would react to that and, and it would create a defense and destroy that, and it would put in the library, your, your immune system contains a library of all the diseases you've been exposed to and, and conquered, and so the next time that disease appears in your body, your body knows immediately how to respond to it. The library says that that that's the enemy. Go after it, and and you're you're immune, therefore, uh, to getting that disease a second time. But what they did here with this mRNA, uh, they experimented with transforming your cell into a factory that produces the spike protein that causes all the problem. And they they supposed, at least they claim, well, you know, we we can not only turn this on in your body, but we can also turn it off. And it seems to be the evidence now is, uh, no, they really can't turn off once they turn it on. And that's why people are dying of myocarditis and, and why people have these enormous clots in their, they're not blood clots, so testing done on these clots that uh, uh, embalmers had problems because they need to fill all the veins uh, with fluid to embalm the body. And so if the veins are all clogged up with something, they've got to go in and take them out. And you can see pictures and videos of, of, you know, them opening up veins and pulling out these long clots that when they examine them, they're not blood clots. They're not anything that is part of uh, our human makeup. There's something external. And, and the uh, well, we don't know the proof of it yet, but the supposition is that it has to do with these mRNA shots that these clots are developing, uh, which are taking the lives of many, many people. So this... Uh, Phil, I'm in full agreement with you. The, the violation here of the Nuremberg Code is extremely evident, and that means these people ought to be put on trial. We ought to have a Nuremberg 2.0, and Fauci should be the first one put on trial, but he's not alone. There's a, uh, there's a bird. There was the woman with the uh, scarf. Uh, I forgot her name exactly, but anyway, we have enormous numbers of people who in the government we're violating our constitution and the government we're violating our God-given rights. And then we have the members who are the head of well, Pfizer and Moderna and on and on the list goes of the criminals who should be tried for what they have done. And the people who should be compensated are the families of the people who died after getting the shot, the families of the people who uh, their family member was permanently injured, some completely disabled, unable to work again. Uh, perhaps you have seen on the website uh, websites that are out there that have uh, shown videos of people dropping dead. And most often they're athletes. I think, wait a minute, these people are at the top of their physical uh, uh, powers, and yet they're out there in the middle of playing a, a game of soccer and they drop dead, or they're playing basketball and they drop dead. What's going on? And again, uh, most, most of these uh, uh, sports organizations participated in this crime, requiring all of their players to get the shot. And I know there were players who lost their jobs because they did not get the shot in my church. Numerous people lost their jobs and they're still battling with those employers that fired them for not getting this experimental shot. That's coercion. And those companies should be sued. Those companies should be put on trial. There should be a Nuremberg 2.0 in our country. I'm not sure exactly uh, uh, the degree to which the punishment should be. That, that uh, can be determined, maybe hanging, maybe not. But uh, I think these criminals need to be brought to justice. And the crime that they committed against humanity 
needs to be clearly spelled out and exposed to our entire world, that the world would know that this has taken place and the world would know this standard of the Nuremberg Code and the world would not let it ever happen again. So what's your thoughts, Phil? Well, I think um, Dr. Bednarski, in addition to uh, criticizing the government, um, also criticizes his own medical profession. And what we don't realize is that the medical profession has has changed. It's transitioned. Ultimately, you know, in in the beginning, um, well, much earlier than um, than today, um, the medical profession was perhaps the most honored and most respected industry in the economy. And the reason was that the the doctor had the ultimate education. Uh, he was or she was free to to judge medical truth as he or she saw it and to advise and treat you in the best manner possible uh, using Hippocrates' code, which was, or Hippocrates' oath, I think it's called, do no harm. Well, over the years, things have changed. First of all, you had the, the big move towards insurance. And what that did was to create a, a massive need for paperwork. And in order to to cover that cost and to to deal with it in the most cost-effective way, uh, the concentration of of medical authority, if you will, began uh, along with the the increase in insurance. And so, what happened was that you now had this hierarchy, you know, um, healthcare systems uh, that that had replaced the individual doctor. Now, I'm not recommending that we go back to all individual practices. That's not my point. My point is that you have to see the transition and the and the direction of this and how it affected uh, the COVID-19, the so-called COVID-19 control program. And so what had happened was that there was, by that time, by 2020, there was an immense concentration of medical power uh, above the individual physician and the individual uh, physician practices. And so those people were less inclined towards truth in medicine than they were in terms of living within the system, you know, uh, getting by to, yeah, and uh, making no waves. And what happened was that all the directions started to come from the top down. Now, it had a little bit of an aura of medicine to it because it, the National Institutes of Health is supposedly primarily healthcare professionals and so forth. But on the other hand, this is the most politically organized part of the healthcare profession. And so you had this top-down authority uh, type of situation that occurred. They all, oh, they just rolled over and they stopped thinking for themselves and just, they became propaganda belts. It was a very dangerous situation to go into a doctor's office in those days because the doctor would say, well, such and such organization recommends that... Uh, you get the shots, and here's what the shots are going to do. Okay, so you get the shots. Well, okay, um, maybe you're fortunate and you, and you have no side effects. Certainly didn't do any good. Didn't prevent you from getting COVID, but uh, you might have been in the, the the better group. On the other hand, uh, you could have been in the worst group, which is you were either killed or you were disabled, you know, and you were an obvious statistic. But many of us, and this is the problem, the larger part of us, are a part of an experiment which we had no idea we were we were subjects in, and we have no way of determining 
whether the illnesses that are in front of us today are a part of this COVID-19 shock program that we were exposed to. So I think that's that's the major point I would make. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, and uh, one of the other things we're reading about now is turbo cancers. That is cancers that grow exponentially fast. And that's very unusual. And, and you know, it used to be that was extremely rare. But since the shots, there's people who have turbo cancers who uh, got the shots. Again, don't know if they're connected or not, but we do know that one of the researchers who's gone into looking at, as Karen Kingston, looking at the patents. In other words, what did these uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies claim that they were making something unique and something that they could actually go to the patent office and say, we're going to patent this technology because it's ours. We we invented this. We own this. And of course, in their patent papers, they have to describe in detail what it is they're, they're doing. And one of the things that uh, they talked about in their technology that they were putting into these shots was something that would turn off the part of the cell that recognizes and attacks cancer. Whoa, wait a minute. If it turn off your anti, your cancer fighting uh, warriors in your cell, this is crazy. This is, uh, well, this is worse than Dr. Frankenstein in a sense. So I, I think you're absolutely right. We've seen a change in our medical system to become a medical industrial complex. And, and I would argue even bigger than that and, and more dangerous than that. The thing that has been revealed by Karen Kingston and others who, who have researched these patents and also researched the contracts, because you see, uh, Pfizer was actually developing their uh, COVID shot, if you want to call it that, uh, and, and Moderna developing their COVID shot with a contract from the Department of Defense. What? What? What is the Department of Defense supposedly defending us militarily? What is the Department of Defense involved in the pharmaceutical business of creating some vaccine to, uh, you know, actually the curious thing is these, all these contracts were before COVID was supposedly discovered. Wait a minute. How did they even know in advance to develop a vaccine for something? You know, that's part of the reason, by the way, the warp speed was a bit of a lie. They had been working on these technologies for some time, but working at the behest, at least those two pharmaceutical companies, the contracts are, are there working at the behest of the Department of Defense. So we might actually say uh, we have a, have a combination of Eisenhower's phrase, the military-industrial complex, with something that is just brand new here, the uh, medical-industrial. So we've got the military-medical-industrial complex creating this shot that is extremely damaging and, and puts the whole of humanity under a global experiment. A global experiment. I mean, the Nazis were terrible because they were experimenting on the human beings that they put in their concentration camps. Not all of the human beings, I believe, but you know, a percentage, a significant percentage, obviously, that they were doing all sorts of evil experiments on. But we need to remember that yeah, this is not something new to our government. Think of the Tuskegee Airmen. If you haven't read about that, uh, be sure to look that up. These black uh, pilots who were trained in the military were injected unknowingly, they weren't told, they were injected with syphilis. And the purpose of the the program to inject them with syphilis is to see how people react and how they ultimately die. They were never told why they had syphilis or where it came from. That They got it as an injection as part of a military experiment on these Tuskegee airmen that took their life and they suffered greatly and their loved ones suffered greatly. All because some wicked, evil doctors in the in, in the military decided they were going to use these guys as an experiment. 
don't know, well, let's find out what happens with syphilis and you know, what, what the ultimate end of a person who's got, what are the stages of decline and, and death and so forth. And this is evil. And what we need to recognize is that this is the opposite of what our civil government was created for in the first place. Our constitution is founded upon the principles expressed in the Declaration of Independence. And clearly, Declaration of Independence, opening paragraphs, there is a creator God. Our rights come from him and from him alone. And the only purpose of human civil government is to protect and defend those God-given rights. And the very first right mentioned in the Declaration of Independence, of course, is the right to life. So government should be protecting our right to life, not experimenting with us as human beings, as human guinea pigs, which they're going to determine whether we live or we die. That's the opposite of what the government is supposed to be about. So this Nuremberg trial needs to go all the way up and down uh, the entire military, industrial, medical complex uh, and arraign these people, put them on trial and expose the evil they, they, they've done. Do you think it's possible to do that? Or will our current Department of Justice ever consider such a thing? Oh, what do you think? <laughs> the Department of Justice or the Department of Injustice? Uh, you know, I, I think uh, our, our prior series, a new constitution pretty much uh, uh, put the, uh, the snuff on that one. You know, that there is no, no such thing as the Department of Justice uh, until you get to a new constitution. But uh, in any case, uh, now you mentioned the uh, COVID diagnosis on the death certificate. And of course, there are all kinds of, of jokes about it. The, uh, the bus that, that goes over the cliff and all die of COVID and so forth and so on. But uh, there was a mechanism in place uh, before this called the JCA, JCAHO Survey, Joint Commission on Accreditation of Healthcare Organizations. And it was like the adjutant uh, general uh, coming to, to town, you know, to do an investigation. Uh, hospitals really fear a JCAHO survey. And I think they had to go through them once every one or two years or something like that. And there is immense activity that goes on throughout the hospital in preparation, much of it in the medical records department, where uh, the, uh, these initial cones are assigned to the medical records through a, a process. And basically, that fear holds the overcoding in check because there always is a temptation to upcode such that you get greater reimbursement. And so that was the check on the, the system. Well, the problem was that uh, along with the, the so-called COVID control program, that was waived. There was, there was no JCAHO survey requirement that those cases be considered, that they be reviewed. And so, uh, hey, the, the signal had come down, you know, and needless to say, hospitals are made up of human beings who are trying to optimize their their uh, their revenues. So what would they do? Of course, they overcoded. And the, the hospitals, in many cases, I understand, were really put into a bind because of the lockdowns. They said all elective surgery, and that included a lot of things that we wouldn't really consider elective surgery. All elective surgeries are canceled. All screenings, you know, you get screened for cancer every so often, or all that's canceled. And so a huge amount of the business that a hospital normally does, and the, therefore the revenue stream that normally comes in was cut off. And and 
there was we were lied to being told, oh, the hospitals are full to overflowing. That was an absolute lie. I, I know that personally because in my local hospital, I, in the midst of COVID, had the uh, experience of breaking my ankle in a very severe way that involved a complicated surgery to put it all back together. Anyway, when I finally got the surgery scheduled and went in for surgery, I overheard the nurses in my pre-op uh, talking to each other in the hall and both saying, yeah, this is my first day back at work. I've been off for whatever, a month and something. I forget how many days it was, but it was a lengthy period of time. And so these nurses weren't, you know, either they were being paid to be on furlough or not being paid. I'm not sure, but I know the hospital was suffering a revenue crunch. And along comes the federal government prom promising, you know, if you do these certain things and if you sign the death certificate, it's going to be COVID, then you're going to get X amount of dollars. And I saw a chart of the states around the union and, and what the average payment would be to each hospital if a patient came in and was tested for COVID. And we know that PCR test is very suspect, uh, depending on how many cycles and all that. And so the PCR test, not accurate, but they, oh, if it tests for COVID, they would get a certain payment. And if they then well, began to treat them as a COVID patient, they got an additional pay payment. If they gave them remdesivir, a deadly drug that destroys the kidneys and kills most people who, who are put on it, a friend of mine was killed by remdesivir in the hospital, then, then what's going to happen? Their lungs begin to fill up with water and they can't breathe. And so they put them on a ventilator and that's the final thing. And if they do all of those things, the hospital, and then they sign the death certificate as COVID, they died of COVID in Maryland, that hospital would receive $120,000 payments for that patient who went through each one of those stages. So of course, what's the hospital motivated to do? We're not going to consider any other treatment but remdesivir. We're not going to consider that ivermectin works for this and uh, you know hydroxychloroquine. We're not going to, no, 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 none of those. Those were all demonized because they couldn't make any money off of those. Those are cheap, but easily available drugs. Instead, we'll follow the protocol handed down by our federal government. These payments are coming from our wicked federal government violating the Constitution, paying these hospitals, in my view, to kill patients, to put them on a protocol that would lead to most of them dying. And there are some lawsuits that are being attempted. We pray that they succeed suing these hospitals for giving treatment that the patient refused. Patient, many patients went in and they knew the protocol was going to destroy. And so they said, I don't want any remdesivir. Don't give me that. They gave it to them anyway. Uh, you know, I refuse this. Now, they, they, they did what made money for the hospital. Uh, and I think part of that was the hospitals were put in a financial bind that was impossible to get out of. Uh, and so they caved to what the federal government, here's, you know, here's the people that need to be put on trial, the people who conducted that program through, uh, you know, the, the Medicare, Medicaid payment system, whereby these decisions were made. Yes, we're going to do remdesivir. Yes, we're going to do ventilators when the evidence is that that kills patients. It doesn't help them recover uh, at all. Tragedy, tragedy. Yeah, we'd like to think that the, the people that we're dealing with in the healthcare profession have consciences that they'll think for themselves and they'll go through a critical thinking process. And so you ask yourself, well, how is it that this happened? How did they, you know, suddenly act completely, you know, uh, over the top? You know, we're totally putting consciences and, 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 and intelligence on hold. Doesn't it remind you of the primary defense put up by the top Nazis in the first tribunal, we were only following orders. And that, you know, I think people 
are shocked to think that, uh, you know, we may have done something even worse than the Nazis. So it's hard, hard to estimate at this point because we can't actually calculate how many uh, have died already, how many will die from turbo cancers and other things that may be the result of these experimental shots. We don't know, but it may be that we have killed more uh, than the Nazis did in, in those concentration camps. And I think it's very hard for the average American to think that's what happened. And, and when we look back at, at that Nazi era, we often ask the question, how could the German people, you know, these were intelligent, highly educated people. These were not, uh, you know, dumb sheep, but they were led by the nose as if they were dumb sheep. And like I said, many of them just, well, I'm just doing what I was ordered. And I have friends who lost their jobs in hospitals because they refused to follow this. They said, I have a conscience. I'm not going to do this. And it's like, there's the door. You're, you're fired for, for doing that. The ones who went along, of course, uh, retained their jobs. Tragic. Yeah, there's, there's a great book. I keep recommending it, which is uh, Charles Mackey's uh, The Extraordinary Popular Delusion and the Madness of Crowds. Uh, I think uh, he wrote the book in the mid, mid-19th century. So uh, it really, you know, we, we have a tendency to dismiss it because of its age and so forth. That it hasn't been updated for the craziness of, of World War II, uh, in particular, and uh, the the situation in the Middle East and gosh knows where else. But there is this this tendency towards madness in the human race. It comes out, and um, the the incidents that Mackey talks about of witchcraft and 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 uh, various financial bubbles and so forth. Uh, I mean, those things. Uh, in duration, we're small by comparison to the kinds of things we're we're looking at right now. I mean, we're we're in the fourth year here of this of this uh, COVID nineteen so called control program, which is complete madness. Oh, it is, and you're absolutely right to point out the madness of crowds and and uh, because this happens and has happened in history, we should learn from it. <laughs> and the tragedy is if we don't learn from history is. Uh, you know, it's been said that we're doomed to repeat it, and it seems like we're we're in that cycle right now. So we're going to examine this over the next several weeks because there's other elements of this, particularly as we understand our Constitution and the limits that it placed upon our civil government, our federal government. How did our government ignore those limits? How can we restore those limits in our land? And so join us again here, We the People, The Constitution Matters on WFYL. Check out the website, 1180WFYL.com. Click on podcast, go down to the bottom there. We the people, great resources. We invite you to invite your friends to join us again next Friday morning at 8 a.m. on We the People, Constitution Matters.